Let's pray together, hey. Father God, as we come to your word this morning, uh, help us to come to your word with reverence. Lord, help us to submit our whole lives to what you have to say to us this morning. Give us open minds, open hearts, and hands and feet and lives ready to be transformed into the image of your son, Jesus. Lord, help us as a community of believers together to be transformed into your church, to be your vessel of spreading your gospel to those around us. Lord, speak to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you can probably guess, I've had the privilege of growing up uh, between two different cultures, the Chinese culture of my parents and the Western culture of both New Zealand, uh, which feels like New Zealand today, and Australia. Both cultures very different, both cultures with their own quirks, their own strengths and weaknesses, good in some areas and lacking in others. Yang Lu is an author uh, who released a book with images illustrating the differences between Eastern and Western thinking. Uh, for example, if this works, lining up, lining up in the West uh, compared to cues in the East. Dealing with problems, tackling it head on in the West and tiptoeing around it in the East. Sound in restaurants, <laughs> quiet in the West, loud in the East. Communication, saying it as it is in the West, saying one thing but thinking something else in the East. Don't know how we do that. <laughs> but when the Im images touch the idea of community, I think that it's clear that there's something about community in Eastern cultures that we long for in the West, that we long for even in the church, that we might even say that Eastern culture understands better than Western culture, or is more closer to what we would say a biblical culture when we think about community in the church. Here's a look. Self, self is big in the West, the individual small in the east. Lifestyle, I do my own thing in the west. We do things together in the east. Society, fragmented in the west. Communal together in the east. A party, separated groups in the west. All together as one group in the east. Networking and relationships, Few and segmented connections in the West. Everyone is connected somehow to everyone in the East. Well, as we think about a disciple of Jesus being in community today, what we see in the Bible about community of believers probably lines up more closely with an Eastern idea of community. But we in the West... Our church experience today over the last 200 years since the self-enlightenment has increasingly become more of an individual experience. Copying our Western society, we in the church have become more about me, 
more about self, whether it be songs full of eyes and me's, church services where you can walk in and walk out without talking to anyone, and the growth of online church where you don't have to see or connect with anyone at all. So that's why we're highlighting this topic in our series, A Disciple of Jesus is in Community. Believers, followers of Jesus, live for Jesus, not as separated silos, but together, connected, united with other followers of Jesus in community. You see, that's how the Bible portrays the Christian life. We're saved into a people, a community of believers. Exodus 19. We're called to love one another, John 13, to grow together into the image of Christ, Ephesians chapter 4, and to strive to gather together, to not neglect meeting together, Hebrews 10. Even if you flick to Revelation and that final picture, it shows Christians praising Jesus together in community. The Greek word for church is ecclesia. It's not a word for a building or a service or an organization. It means gathering, literally meeting together, people coming together. It's about believers in community. And as we look at this topic in Acts 2, we find here in the passage Tim read out, 42 to 47, Luke, he steps away from the narrative for a bit and he gives this snapshot, this camera shot of life in the early church. And Luke shows this by using an imperfect tense all through these six verses. These things here are things that they didn't do just once, but they continued, they kept on doing these things over and over again. I think there's two ways we can look at this passage first. The most common way, uh, we can look at all the different activities, the things that the believers did in community. And the second way is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at the qualities of the community, the heart values of the community, how the believers act in community. And today we're going to see five qualities of disciples in community. And I've based some of these headings from an article of Desiring God. The first we find in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The first quality we see here is relentless devotion. Not casual indifference, relentless devotion. Well, what do you think when you hear the word devotion? Well, I'm a member at my local gym, Anytime Fitness. Don't go there because you won't see me. I wouldn't call myself devoted. I go once a week. Some weeks I skip. This week I skipped. Even to the point where they call me up and to ask me where I've been. But if we think about a devoted gym member... He or she goes four, five times a week, makes time in their timetable to get there, whether it's early morning or late nights. They're focused on going to the gym. We talk about a devoted husband or wife. 
It's not like all other husbands and wives don't care about their marriages, but we call someone devoted because they're singly focused, they're all in, they take initiative. It's so evident that they care so very deeply. And here we see marking the community of believers relentless devotions. They devoted themselves. They were all in, singly focused. They were taking initiative, caring deeply. The word devotion here also means enduring, persevering, persistent, and ongoing. So these early Christians, together in community, what were they devoted to? Well, it was to the word and to the fellowship. The word being the apostles teaching, sitting under scriptures together as they pointed to the good news of life in Jesus, and the prayers, a response to God and his word, gathering together to pray to God. And it was to the fellowship too, literally talking about each person's connection with one another, their unity, the closeness and the oneness which played out in the breaking of bread. Not talking about communion here, but talking about sharing meals in their homes, a symbol of their closeness. A disciple of Jesus in community is relentlessly devoted to the word and the fellowship. Relentlessly devoted. Is this how you describe your attitude to community this morning, being relentlessly devoted to the word and to the fellowship. Relentless devotion to the word, it looks like commitment, consistency in regularly gathering around God's word together like we're doing right now. But more than this, it's being excited together under God's word with others, enjoying being in community around the Bible, caring deeply for this time of gathering together, loving, wanting, and yearning to be together in the word and prayer. Does this sound like you? Or maybe a casual indifference to the word has set in. Relentless devotion to the fellowship. It looks like, again, commitment, consistency, in regularly connecting as God's people. But more than this again, it's being excited to connect with other believers, enjoying connecting, not just socially, but spiritually, caring deeply for one another, loving, wanting, and yearning to be in community with other believers. Does this sound like you? or maybe a casual indifference to the fellowship has set in. Verse 46 gives us a snapshot of relentless devotion in action. Luke says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I find this verse challenges many of us in our world today. It challenges me. And I make comments like, yeah, we're more busy today, aren't we? Life's more complicated today. We need more rest. And those guys who did that in Acts, they were the super keen, super passionate ones. 
but maybe it challenges you and me today because some casual indifference has set in. Using last week's sermon, maybe you've forgotten the mercy of God and Jesus that fuels your relentless devotion. So how you're going today in being a disciple of Jesus in community, relentlessly devoted to the word and to the fellowship. Second quality as we keep going of a disciple in community is heartfelt affection, not stoic routine. Verse 43, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I'm sure many of you know State of Origin was on last Wednesday night. And as you all know, I'm a big sports fan. I had Tim and another friend over to watch Origin on Wednesday night. And while Tim and the other guys celebrated, cheered, and were getting into it as Queensland won, I'm just sitting there, still nodding my head, and that's about it. I'm guilty of being that stoic, emotionless sports fan, the one who doesn't cheer, the one who doesn't get up and clap and do all those things. And I think we see this attitude at churches, stoic, emotionless, like we're sitting in a boring lecture when gathering as saved people of Jesus ought to be exciting, joyful, and heartfelt. I was at a wedding yesterday and we were singing a hymn, and Angela told me after we sang this hymn that there was this lady uh, over on the side who kept looking at me and death staring me while I was singing because maybe I was too into it. <laughs> well, Luke in Acts describes the mood as this, awe, awe. Awe is the feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. It's an emotional response when you comprehend something with your mind and it touches your heart. Building off last week again, when the mind is renewed by the mercy of God seen in Jesus, the reality of life in Jesus captures our hearts and it results in awe. Paul says, when believers gather in community around the Lord Jesus Christ, it's marked by awe, awe coming upon every soul, hearts awakened in all the believers, overflowing to those outside looking in. So how's your heartfelt affection this morning when you gather as a Christian community? Do you respond in awe? awe and wonder and marvel to who God is, what God has done for you in Jesus, what God is doing now in your life and the life of others. Is your heart moved, captured by the good news, the great news of life in Jesus as you gather in community with other believers? Or are you in stoic routine, coming to church and leaving unchanged, caring only about the right teaching without being transformed by it, 
going through the motions and the rituals and the routine without responding to the mercy of God. How about us as a church? Are we a community that's marked by heartfelt affection? Are we excited, joyful, in awe and wonder as we gather before our great and loving God? Are we a church that welcomes and encourages this response of awe to God? Or like that lady in the wedding, do we look down and frown upon it when believers uh, gather oozing with enthusiasm and passion and desire for God? When people want to respond, even physically, as they sing to God? Or people giving amens during sermons and announcements? People wanting to share with you about God's goodness to them. Do you prefer stoic routine over heartfelt affection? You see, stoic routine is an easy place to be at, but it's a dangerous place to be when there are no heartfelt affections to God, when there's no awe, wonder, or excitement about God. Jonathan Edwards, uh, whose most famous writing in the 1700s is called Religious Affections, he says, he who has no religious affection is in a state of spiritual death and is wholly destitute of the powerful, quickening, saving influences of the Spirit of God upon his heart. Paul Tripp has a book that's in our church library, it's called Awe, which focuses on this topic of heartfelt affections to God. So let me ask, how are your heartfelt affections to God this morning? And how are we, Hertford Street, as a church community, how are we going in our heartfelt affections to God? Is this a mark of our gatherings here? Or have we fallen into stoic routine? Well, as we keep going, uh, as we look around in churches today, there seems to be this dichotomy of two different types of churches where you need to pick between a strong teaching church or a strong, caring and loving church. But as uh, Angela tells me, the old El Paso ad goes, why not both? Why can't we do both? In fact, shouldn't it follow that a church with relentless devotion to the Word of God responds with heartfelt affections to God and that flows on to be a community that's strong in love and care for one another, both together? You see, a disciple of Jesus in community is marked by sacrificial generosity, not stingy selflessness, selfishness. And next two verses show us what care within the Christian community looks like. Luke says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Here we see the level of mutual care they shared all they had. They were even selling their staff to help others who had need in the community. 
Imagine selling your most valuable items, sacrificing your possessions to help another believer out. You see, that was the commitment and care that these believers had for one another. They genuinely, really, truly loved and cared and had compassion for their fellow believers in community. In uh, the Greek and Roman culture, friends share all things with one another. Friends care deeply for one another. Just like in our culture, family share all things in common and family care deeply for one another. And that's how the community of believers are being portrayed here. We're friends. More than that, we're family. Need a meal. Need some help. Need to borrow this or that. Need some support. Need some relief. Need some time. Here it is. Whatever you need will chip in. Sacrificial generosity. And as we think about this for ourselves today, let me ask, is sacrificial generosity evident in your attitude as you relate with other believers in the Christian community? Do you see your fellow believers here, each one as family, friends? Do you care for each and every believer here to the point of even sharing all you have with them, helping one another in need? We definitely need to be wise in how we do this. But do you make excuses for your not caring and not sharing or helping enough? Because if we aren't sacrificial and generous to all, then maybe we are displaying stingy selfishness, not being interested in the needs of our spiritual family, ignoring them, not responding to them in light of the sacrifice, the generosity that God has shown us in Jesus on the cross. How would you rate your sacrificial generosity to others today? And where is God challenging you in this? Maybe you care for some, but not others. Maybe you care for all, but only to a certain point or when you feel like it. It's on your terms and that's it. Or maybe you haven't shown the care that God wants you to show to others. You see, God, he promises that he will meet our every need. And he often does this, meeting my needs and your needs through other believers around you. He calls us to be selfless and sacrificial in our generosity. Paul, he commends the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians for being generous even in their poverty. And also, when we think about this by implication, God, he calls us to be willing and ready recipients of generosity too, to joyfully accept generosity from other believers. The third quality of a disciple in community is sacrificial generosity. We keep going, we're almost there. Our fourth quality of a disciple in community is just a quick passing point. It focuses on this repeated comment of the breaking of bread 
in verse 42 and 46. This activity, the breaking of bread, they devoted themselves to this. And they were doing this day by day. And the term breaking of bread, we mentioned before, is talking about a meal, sharing a meal, inviting people over and eating together. Uh, back in this first century, it had a special significance because sharing a meal back then, it symbolized an intimate relationship, intimate connections, fellowship, mutual acceptance and friendship. And it's this that marks the community of believers in the early church, genuine relationships, not distant acquaintances. You see, the believers, they had a real, genuine, authentic, personal relationships and connections with each other. Let's read verse 46 again. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. You see, the believers, they would open their homes day by day. They'd host and share meals together. And during this time, the focus isn't really on the food. You see, they would connect. They'd grow friendships. They'd get to know each other more. They'd appreciate the time they spend together. They would praise God together. They would express their thankfulness to Jesus together. You see, sharing meals together, symbolizing the genuine relationships within the community of believers. So again, let me ask you this morning, how are we going in genuine relationships within the church? How are you going in knowing your fellow believers, knowing them as friends, as family, fellow followers of Jesus. In our Western, our busy, our individualistic world, if we remember the images from before, I think that we really have to work hard at growing community together. Whether it be staying after church for a chat or something like morning tea like today, putting that extra time aside and it's not the food or the drink that it's important. It's about knowing one another. It's about doing life together. It's about growing genuine relationships with one another. Other ideas, whether it be heading out to lunch, inviting people over, over being open to accept those invites to go over. And all of these things just a means to grow genuine relationships, to get to know each other, to grow deeper as a community of believers. And if we aren't doing this, if this isn't evident in our community, it's likely that instead of genuine relationships, we all could be just distant acquaintances. We know each other, but not deeply, not closely, or not at all. So let me ask to think of everyone in our church community. Who do you know well personally? Who do you know, but maybe you don't know well enough? 
and who don't you really know much about at all? And let me challenge you this morning, this week, and the month ahead to focus on those that you either don't know well or don't know really much about at all. Make it a priority to grow those personal relationships, to make a beeline to them, to get to know them, not just saying hi and moving on, but really grow those connections so that we can love God's people, our fellow believers, our family, people who, like you, are children of God whom Christ died for also. And by doing this, celebrating our unity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Disciples of Jesus in community are marked by genuine relationships, not by distant acquaintances. Now we come to our final quality. Have a look at verse 47. They were praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see, a Christian community devoted to the gospel, responding in awe, deeply loving and caring for one another. This sort of community can't be contained. It's compelling. It's contagious. This praise of God, this joy, it must overflow. It will overflow into the world around them. This joy in the Lord Jesus Christ overflows to a point where Jesus finds favour with unbelieving onlookers, those outside, they take notice, they see something different, something attractive. Lives changed by the giver of life, the Lord Jesus Christ, resulting again in joy and goodness and love. And it's so compelling and contagious that Luke records here, people responding to the good news of life in Jesus people accepting salvation in Jesus, people being added to the community of believers, joining this community founded and centering on the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we think about this today, it's not saying that we shouldn't actively share the gospel. It's not saying that we don't need to actively reach out to our community. It's not saying that theology and ministry is not important. But it does say that as we live for Jesus together, as we do this in community with other believers, one of the consequences of this is that our joy in the gospel is so infectious that it overflows from the church. It overflows into the world around us. It becomes contagious and compelling to the onlooker. And just like in Acts, people will notice People will inquire. People respond to the good news of life in Jesus. People will be saved and people will be added to the number. And I think this is a great encouragement for us as we seek to live for God, to live for Jesus, and to do this together, united as a community of believers. God will use us together as witnesses God would use this to convict hearts outside for Jesus as they see this, and God will 
grow his church. But I think this is also a challenge to reflect on our connection to our neighbourhood and how our joy may or may not be overflowing to those around us. So is our joy in God overflowing to those looking on around us? Are we being seen favourably in the eyes of our neighbours? Is our teaching, our love, our care compelling and contagious to outsiders? Do all visitors feel a genuine connection as they enter? And to consider why? Why might our witness be lacking to outsiders? Do we tend towards being insular and separate to the world around us? Mark Dever comments in his book, The Compelling Community, he says, our greatest confirmation of the gospel is the community of the local church. Therefore, our best strategy for reaching the world is to fan that community into raging inferno of supernatural witness that will be far more attractive than any adjustment to our music, small groups, or sermons could ever be. This is the drive behind our dinner at HSBC nights. Visitors engaging with us and seeing something different, our compelling Christian community as we gather around the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, disciples of Jesus in community are marked by overflowing joy, a contagious and compelling witness of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, a witness to the world around us who desperately needs Jesus. So as we finish our time together in God's word this morning, we've seen that a disciple of Jesus is a disciple in community, a community that's marked by relentless devotion, not casual indifference, heartfelt affection, not stoic routine, sacrificial generosity, not stingy selfishness, genuine and real relationships, not distant acquaintances, and overflowing joy, not insular separation. All of these things, all of these qualities fueled by the mercy of God shown to us in Jesus. So as we walk together, as we live together, as we meet and unite together as a community of believers at Hertford Street Baptist Church, which quality is God impressing on you this morning? To grow in, to align with God more, to even surrender to God and ask for forgiveness and to ask for his spirit to work change. God has saved us into a community of believers. Let's pray that God would continue to shape us as a community of safe, saved sinners made alive in Jesus. Let's pray to this end. Father God, help each of us individually and all of us together 
to grow as disciples of Jesus in community. Please grow in us a relentless devotion to your word and to your people. Instill in us, Lord, a heartfelt affection as we meet together remembering your great mercy to us in Jesus. Help us to help our church fellowship to be marked by sacrificial generosity, genuine and real relationships, and overflowing joy as we walk with Jesus together. Lord God, please, by your Holy Spirit, convict each of us with where and how we ought to grow as we worship you together here at Hertford Street Baptist Church. We pray these things for the sake of the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen.